0: What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Jane Latman, Executive Vice President of three Discovery Cable Networks, Investigation Discovery, Destination America, and American Heroes Channel. Wow. She's making us all look bad, folks. So, apologies, but this is an interview that I did with Jane about a year ago. This is from the archives, I was holding on to this one for a rainy day, uh, a time where I knew I would be on hiatus. Uh, And why is that? Well, me and my wife just had our second daughter uh, literally two days ago. So I am actually on paternity leave right now as I record this opening. I am in the midst of... uh, of the dark days, as any parents know. Um, But I wanted to get an episode out this month, so I was holding on to one, and uh, it's this one with Jane, one of the sweetest people in the world. I learned a lot uh, about Investigation Discovery and Destination America in this episode, and also was really surprised to hear what Jane's road was getting to her position at Discovery. Uh, Her background is very different uh, from others that I've spoken with on earlier episodes. Also, I play a new game with Jane, real title or fake title you're going to want to stay to the end to hear that so this is my sit down with jane labman i hope you enjoy it What is with discovery executives constantly being switched over from one network to the next? You guys are constantly shuffling the decks over there.
1: Yeah. I, I've been at <laughs> ID for, since the beginning. So that part hasn't shuffled. How many years have you been over there? I've been over there since 2003. So 13 years. Unbelievable. Since before ID. Yeah. And yeah. then you were over at, what was the other network? You were just at. Yeah. So before ID was ID, it was a channel called discovery times. Okay. Got it. And then what, what was the, no? But recently though, you were at the, the lifestyle network oh, that you had. So so yeah, there there is some shuffling, especially with the smaller networks and the group presidents. Um, each have a number of networks, and right. I think sometimes it 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 shifts. Uh, according to demographics, um, Lord knows, right? No, I know, I know.
0: And it was. What was the name of the
1: network you were on? It was the. So it was, it was Discovery the, Life Channel, which Discovery had Life been Channel. previously Discovery Fit and Health. That's right. So not only do the executives shift, right? The brands the shift. The brand well. shift as well. Yes.
0: But ID has really been your bread and butter now for thirteen years.
1: Well, for for eight years, it's eight years old. Got so it. I started at Discovery Times right. in the, when I started at Discovery on a three week contract. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you living out there in Silver Spring,
1: it is right? You're in Silver yeah. Spring. Uh, yeah.
0: It is the most normal, I think, existence that a television <laughs> executive can have because you're not in New York. You're not in LA. I can't imagine you're getting pitched all that often.
1: Oh, we get pitched all the time. Are Are people producers just, want to sell.
0: So they're just flying out there all the time.
1: Yeah. And I mean, because um, for a long time, Washington, D.C. was... Um, Hollywood on the Potomac, right. it was, you know, you had National Geographic, right. you have, um, you have PBS, you have, uh, TV one travel right. channel and all the discovery networks. So that's a lot. And I'm probably leaving some out. Right. So there was plenty, there's plenty of production work, thriving production community, thriving network community. So a producer could come in and one stop shop, see, you know, 15 different networks. How did you come up? Did you come up through news? No, I came up through theater. Really? Yes. What did you do in the theater? I was a theater director. It, you were a theater major? I was a theater major in college. Where, where'd you go? I went to Oberlin College. Okay. Where's In that? Ohio. In Ohio. Mm-hmm. I'm from New York. So okay. you came through the theater. I came through the theater. So I was going to end up back in New York. I started directing plays in Ohio. And then came to D.C. I had spent a summer in D.C. uh, during college and liked it. So I thought – I was doing a big fish, small pond thing in the theater. So started in a small market, Cleveland, Ohio. Come to D.C. Was loving uh, the small theater community there, the the small professional theaters. I was getting a lot of work. Not getting paid a lot. um, And then was going to end up in New York directing plays. Right. But that's not what happened. (laughs) What happened? So I was directing plays and bartending. And uh, one night I was carrying a case of beer upstairs (laughs) in the bar and and said, you know what? I don't know that this lifestyle is going to work out long term. In terms of um, what I was realizing it would take to to really make a living in the theater, I realized you would have to uh, teach it or administrate it. You'd have to basically eat, sleep, and breathe it. Twenty four seven, work day and night, and not necessarily have a lot to bring to it because you're not really living a life. Right. Also, I, I looked around and a lot of the directors who were really skyrocketing had trust funds. They weren't bartending at night. You know, right. they and so
0: they didn't um, have to work a second job.
1: No. And so they actually could maybe go live some life, bring it to their art. You know, they just had more freedom. What kind of bar um, were, were you
0: at? Like it was. A, what kind of. Was it like
1: a full on like, dive kind of bar? Like a New York? I worked in those, but no, the, the last one I worked in was a really nice uh, restaurant, a nice Italian restaurant in Georgetown.
0: Okay. You can plug it. You didn't tell me the name <laughs> it was of it. It was Paolo's in Georgetown. Paolo. It's you been
1: have... there forever. It's still there. It's delicious. Great bar.
0: Got it. So you are a bartender in Georgetown and you a director, are, and you're directing on the side
1: as well, and writing grant proposals to try <laughs> to raise money for the theater that I was working for. And yeah, so so I quit cold turkey. Yeah. And you said, what was the plan from there? Um, well, first I said um, I had a friend in, in news, um, uh, broadcast news, and she, I, I, she said I can introduce you to some people. So I started having informational interviews at the bar. Um, and, uh, so friends would bring people in and I'd ask them questions and I guess I realized, okay, I want to do television. It sounds like television will use a lot of the same muscles as Mm. theater directing, Mm. um, was not thinking as, as granularly as, as network versus, uh, production versus, you know, I just, I thought, okay, television sounds good probably not news. That's all I kind of knew. So, so I, um, quit. I signed up for, uh, temp agencies that, that staffed for media. Right. And so I, uh, got some work answering phones at a post house. Right. Um, I knew nothing about television, nothing. Like I didn't know what a post house was, but I was answering phones. Right. There was one point where I was asked to put a label in a tape case and i couldn't do it because you have to kind of open the tape case if you remember (laughs) the labels and i had it closed and i was trying to stuff it in it was ripping it was so embarrassing i'm sorry so then i uh got placed at national geographic so that was like
0: the big break so the temp agency got you a gig at nat geo yes Uh, what was the gig assistant
1: to the director of post-production a real job Yeah, well, it was still a temp job. Okay. um, But it was, you know, possible long term, possible permanent. And now you're
0: directly working under somebody at the time.
1: Yes, and I didn't know what post production was. (laughs) I didn't know anything about television. Like I can't stress that enough. Um, But I walked in the door and was like, "Wow, this is National Geographic. This is fabulous." And it was the day that, um, and I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was literally the day that they were moving offices and taking the steambecks out and right. bringing avids in okay not that i knew what a steambecker and avid was right. but but i learned um i didn't know what three-quarter inch tape was i bet a lot of people listening don't know what three-quarter yes, inch many tape just is don't
0: <laughs> wait did so did you just rise up the ranks at nat geo so
1: yeah so i was this guy's assistant um and then um i it was a little boring he didn't have a lot for me to do
0: sure <laughs> Sure,
1: so I asked him, "Can I do some other things and I, I started fact checking for the research department um, and then that morphed into somehow evaluating proposals that were coming in for their co-production department mm. I mean, back at that time, they didn't have um, a channel it okay. was it was National Geographic Explorer was it was the, just the videos well, it was the videos, and there was a show called Explorer on NBC, and okay. they did specials for pBS huh.
0: God, I guess I never really thought about that. I guess I never really thought about when the channel itself launched. I remember yeah. being a kid and seeing the magazine and the videos were things they sold like through a 1-800 number. Uh-huh. I never even thought about the fact that the network wasn't always in existence in the early, early days of cable.
1: Yeah. when and this the, was in the 90s. When so. did the network launch? Right around the millennium. I don't know the exact date. It launched like right around the time it was launching was when I left. Um got it. But yeah. So it's a Yeah, it was a weekly show. They had a two hour weekly show though that was a segment show. So it means a lot. So funny you
0: you never think of Nat Geo as a young cable network. Yeah. But comparing it to some others, it it really is. Yeah,
1: yeah, it really is. It really is.
0: Okay. So how did you get to discovery?
1: Well so so I did a bunch of stuff at Nat Geo and then it was time for me to move on and um, I decided I wanted to, to do production. Okay. And so I went freelance, and I, I guess the big break there was I became associate producer on a series about nursing. Okay. So it was a five-part series about nurses um, in John Hopkins Hospital, oh. like like Verite, um, really intense production right. um, and a lot of fun. And uh, so then I AP'd for a while started writing as well hmm. um and uh script polishing and anyway worked my way up to producer and then i was finishing up a gig um producing a show i ended up doing a lot of health shows a show about it was called top 10 cancer myths i was finishing up the deliverables on that show and uh, a friend called and said that there who had start, a friend called who worked at discovery times and said you know we just launched this channel Um, there are all these tapes sitting here for possible acquisition and we're so busy with our commissions. There's this, do you want to come over for like three weeks? Actually, she didn't say, do you want to, do you want to interview to come over for like three weeks and, and watch these tapes and, and evaluate them? Right. And I thought, all right, I'm just finishing up this job. So, so I actually interviewed that day, um, and got that gig. But I also know if I hadn't interviewed that day, I wouldn't have gotten that gig. Exactly. Um, because there was somebody else in the running and blah, 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 but it was just, yeah. So, um, and came over for three weeks, finished watching these documentaries said, here's out of the 30, here's two that look really good, but they're going to need some re re narration and things like that. And they were all so busy and they're like, well, well, can you just stay a few more weeks and like take care of it? And so uh, that turned into three months, turned into six months where I was heading up acquisitions at discovery times. And, um, Sourcing them, buying, you know, learning how to negotiate the deals, sure. um, with the help of business affairs, um, and then reversion the producer skills and writing skills to, to reversion them. And now you are what? Thirteen years. Thirteen right? years.
0: Seven with ID, right? I mean, that right? Eight. <laughs> eight. Eight with ID, and ID. Now you have risen up the ranks where you oversee the development um, out of Silver Spring for ID. You are living in this. Constant world at ID, where it is some of the darkest stories on television, but produced in a way where there's kind of a wink. Sometimes every, you guys have fun with you know some of the titles and things like that, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit later. I want to play a little game with you, Uh-oh. by the way. Um, <laughs> but. You know, I've talked to writers before that have written for shows like Criminal Minds and, you know, really dark dramas. And usually they have to shuffle the decks and move on from those shows because they're living in such a dark place every day when they go into the writer's room. For you, where ID are producing a lot of shows that deal with murder and betrayal. How does the darkness not consume you when you go home at night every day? Like, is it hard to shut that part of your brain off? It's kind of like when you talk to policemen, you yeah, know, to to shut off what you saw that day and then yeah. go home. Like, does it affect you?
1: Yeah, it does. It does affect me. I mean, I think you do shut it off, and you, you know, it, and and I also think that that our team, I've always said, we laugh more than probably any other network on cable. Like. We laugh all the time because I think we know that we're dealing with such heavy, serious, dark things. We know what can happen that we better enjoy right. life. It sounds sort of cliche, but I mean um, – and it probably also – there's something like we're, we're, we're in the trenches together dealing yeah. with all this stuff. So it, it creates deeper bonds I think amongst the team. But, um, but yeah, I mean I have nightmares. Um, Do you really? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, not even all after, the time. But
0: even after all these years, like eight years yeah. of of living in the ID landscape, you 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 still have nightmares.
1: Yeah, and and um, I I think I go through, for me personally, I go through cycles where it's like I'm removed. You know, you sort of treat it like it's not 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 real on some level. You're looking at it, uh, is it at the story level. You're like, what is this story? What are the beats? What are the, and you're not you trust you don't live in the. Uh, the, the grief of it all. Right. But then I have weeks where I go into meetings and I'm like, this is just so sad. Yeah. You know, we all do. I mean, yeah. I think everybody deals with it differently. But, like, yeah, there are weeks where I'm just – it's the enormity of it and the, the sadness and how can people do this? and um... Does it change the way you
0: parent? <laughs> like, does it make you more – tense around when your kids leave the house
1: <laughs> well he's only nine so he doesn't okay. have a lot of like <laughs> a long leash yet but yeah you know what can happen i mean i think that yeah we people our my team deals with it all in different ways like like whether they get alarm systems or i know somebody on my team like when she stays in a hotel like keeps uh, barricades the door
0: right right <laughs> um, unbelievable yeah so you guys will all swap stories over at id about oh, yeah. how you guys have a a shared um, not fear, but a shared effect Yeah. Um, that just just happens by nature of having to watch these cuts all day. Yeah. And by the way, it's not like you guys roll out just a handful of shows a year. I think you guys told us in a meeting a few months ago that ID is responsible for the most original hours of television,
1: period. Pretty sure that's the case. Yeah. I mean I know some years it has definitely been the case. But this year I think the most hours of original programming. I would say we're definitely in the top three, if not number one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So all the studies, all the research that you guys do on the network side. What has the research told you about why a predominantly female audience can't get enough? Of dark stories like this,
1: yeah, I, and it's not—it's not that the female audience can't get enough of the dark stories. I think it's the storytelling and the way we approach mm. our stories, and that you know, um, it, women like to ask themselves and, and about human nature and why people are, do the things they do, or how far would they go if they were in this sort of situation. And I think there's a real relatability mm. to these stories we tell. Um, we're not telling, you know, sort of drug war stories or gangs, um, you know, where it's like that, that, you know, that is sort of not, it's, you know, these are, this happens in the house next door. This this, could this happen to you? Um, these stories are really emotional. I think that women are drawn to emotion, um, and, and about relationships and, and human motivation. Where do you see ID going in the future? Because predominantly right
0: now, I think the the general consumer knows it as mostly recreation Mm -hmm. shows, but the world of investigation is so much broader than just recreation shows about murder. Where do you see ID expanding, say, in the next three years? I mean, I
1: think the mystery mystery and suspense storytelling is our bread and butter, and it's sort of like HGTV, like there is this core, core, core programming Mm -hmm. um, that might improve production quality wise might, you know, I, I would say it could get better, but it's not going to change much. It's just like mystery books from 20 years ago, you know, and are, haven't changed much from mystery books today. But, um, but I think we, ha- I think we have more room to expand and, and explore different kinds of formats like, like, um, Active investigations. Right. More Um,
0: documentary, straight mm -hmm. documentary, real-time storytelling. Mm -hmm. I also hear a little rumor that you guys might be playing with the idea of doing scripted.
1: Yeah. Like straight scripted. Yeah, but it'll be – we're going to start with – based on true. Our audience does – like a part of – our brand promise is these are true stories, and there's something that's appealing about that to our viewers. Right. Um, And so so based on true movies, sure. So there's no reason
0: that you guys – couldn't do your own miniseries version of the OJ miniseries. absolutely. Like that's something that could be an ID scripted show. Absolutely. Are there other famous cases that you feel like could work for that? I mean, yeah, we, you guys mean, have kicked around we could that have done stuff?
1: OJ or you see that, um, you know, Dick Wolf announced Menendez brothers and things mm. like that. So yeah, we could, we're, we're playing around with what, what we should pursue do if you, we were to do a big serialized brand name.
0: Do you feel like now there's so many other networks jumping in the waters of what's kind of been your corner to use a wire expression. (laughs) There's so many networks now dipping into true crime in so many different ways, but it feels like you guys were kind of the pioneer Uh of that form of storytelling. That's kind of your world. Are you guys now seeing more competition than ever?
1: Right now? uh, Yes. You know, June, 2016. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and, and, and sitting at real screen and knowing that, that other buyers are looking. Yes. But I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out, who sticks with it, who doesn't. Um, where it works, what brands it fits on, how it fits. I mean, there's, it's, we've seen people, co- uh, other networks come and go in this space. And I think there's ad sales issues that, that everybody's going to have to work out that we've managed to work through. Oh, well, tell me that. Well, I mean, I think the fact that we're 24 seven, uh, meant there's nothing else to buy. Right. <laughs> so if you're going to buy on our network, that's what you're buying. But also the growth story. I mean, the growth story is what's really allowed us to to monetize yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, mean, you mean and you know that that the numbers the numbers speak for themselves and the length of tune we have also the number one length of tune in cable wow so people watch they watch through commercials so i mean i think i think that the competition is good in that it might get viewers who who have never heard of id to, to watch something and say oh i like this crime stuff we're also going to get more of it right and then they'll come to us
0: Okay, so I want to switch over to Destination
1: America. Okay,
0: because you are the GM. I am of that other cable network. Yes, two cable networks under your purview. What is Destination America today? Because just as the consumer, I went on the website. It looks like it's basically now the paranormal channel. We are doing more and more paranormal. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like literally on the website. It was six paranormal (laughs) shows and barbecue (laughs) pitmasters. That's what was on the website.
1: Well, our new shows right now. So we've been since I came on um, in and since January, really. We've been um, – all our new shows except one barbecue show have been um, in that space because it is working so well for us and uh, it, it's by far – it's the most popular genre. So so DA was very broad-based It right. had property and food and paranormal and and um, when I came in, I saw that that was – the paranormal just did so much better. And also right around that time, it was also becoming clear that, that for a small network like yeah. DA – uh, having a clear brand probably would um, be the best way to reach our, to reach a, a particular audience consistently. What does the
0: research tell you? Who is the core audience right now tuning into Destination America?
1: It is – well, I mean, it changes because, I mean, I, I, uh, a barbecue audience right. is going to be really different from this paranormal audience. Sure. And even with the paranormal, it, it shifts. I mean, we know that that the ghosts – um, anything to do with ghosts, past lives, mediums, um, is more female, Interesting. and the monsters, Bigfoot, UFOs, and aliens are more male. Huh. And then overall, when, if we do all that stuff, the network kind of nets out fifty-fifty. But I think you know this—we've definitely been growing uh, in the female side because of our paranormal investigation shows.
0: And it didn't look like there's as many women though in those shows on Destination America, just judging by the five or six shows on the,
1: top we, of the website. Um, we launched a show. The first, the first new show this year we launched was Paranormal Lockdown, and it's the first show to actually have a woman at the front and center of, of a the, ghost hunting uh, show. investigative routine. Yeah, okay. so she's partnered with Nick Groff. This is Katrina Widman's the woman, um, and they're these partners who spend three nights in a haunted house. Um, but you're right. And, and then the Ghost Brothers, which is another new show that did incredibly well. Did very well for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, the women like them. Right. That skews very female. Huh. So it's not, you know, it's not women in it, but they're, they're kind of cute.
0: Which is three brothers investigating paranormal. Yeah, well,
1: they're not literal brothers. Right, but <laughs> it's, it's, yes,
0: three African-American friends um, exploring uh, paranormal activity. And that show skewed heavily female.
1: Yeah, they're I mean, they're, they're very cute and very funny, <laughs> very charismatic. Um, and I think, you know, part of the charm of, of, um, of, that trio is that they are new at this and they're sort of like, you feel like as an audience member, they're what I'd be like if I started doing this, right. like they're actually, they get scared. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 Wait. So
0: they're brand new to this world. They're not, well, guys they, that are- they're
1: new at it. They've done it. And they, they had experience, they had experiences each individually as children ha- had something happen. Um, and they talk about that. in some of our, our did on our website, but, um, And so they've always been very curious, Um, but they all say they come from a culture where you don't mess with this stuff. Right. But they were frat brothers, and they decided they wanted to do this together. But they're not like some of our other casts where they've been doing it for years. So it
0: it literally is like the, the first act of Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's three buddies who are in college uh, yeah. who decide they're grad students and Ghostbusters, but then they
1: decide. Yeah. And these guys are out of, but yeah, right. they're still young and. Wow. And yeah. they're just gonna
0: start picking this up
1: and, and see what happens. Yeah. yeah it did great.
0: Uh, so where do you see destination America leaning? Is it going to stay more paranormal? Is, is monsters, paranormal aliens? Is that going to be now kind of the main lane for that channel? Um, w- cause I feel like, why wouldn't you yeah. at this yeah. point if I it's mean- working? Yeah.
1: Again, we're small um, yeah. and it is smart to be a clear brand. Um, well, so, I feel like that's yeah. what cable is these days. Yeah. It's
0: extremely niche on, on every channel yeah. now. Like everybody has their area of expertise, and it's harder for producers because uh, there are, there are um, less places to take each and every pitch now. Yeah, because so you it,
1: have to be much more focused for each and that's just yeah. so much more work.
0: Every yes, every channel is so much more specialized now. So it is rare as a producer when you have a project in your slate and you think, oh, there's like six places I can pitch this.
1: Yeah. Th- that
0: used to be the case all the time. I feel like the only example now is if you have a female doc series. You can still take a female doc series to like Wii and VH1 and Oxygen and you know TLC e and TLC, you know, in lifetime. That's kind of the last show where you can just take multiple places. Everything else is so specific now yeah. that it's usually two, three places tops for any sort of specific format or uh, any sort of particular world that's not just a female doc. It's uh, it's interesting, and I think it's smart for you guys to have found that niche that the audience keeps coming back for at, at Destination America. Could there be another rebranding if this stays
1: Maybe in success, I suppose there could be, I mean, I'm still, we're still in the prove the concept phase, you know, six months in, um, it's going very well.
0: Right. But Destination America as a network has been around for a few years.
1: Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. And a great growth story. I mean, in terms of just getting on the map really, really quickly.
0: So I know I'm going to lose you pretty soon because I know you've got a a meeting. Uh, I want to play a little game with you. Okay. I want to play a little game called real title, fake title okay okay i'm gonna read off the names of investigation discovery shows and you tell me whether or not they're real or if they're fake titles that we just made up okay are you ready for this
1: okay you want the truth (laughs) yes
0: okay elder skelter
1: that would be real
0: that's real that's a good show too pretty to live not real that was real that was an investigation discovery show
1: what yes was it a show title Yes. Maybe not a not a series title.
0: Uh this is according to Wikipedia. These are series that have been made at ID. I didn't expect
1: it wasn't a series at ID. You don't think so?
0: No. We're gonna have to fact check this.
1: We should, we should. Too
0: pretty to live.
1: Yeah, because you know what? I would pass on that concept. <laughs> Because there's a certain blaming the victim weirdness about that title that we pay attention to that sort of thing. Like,
0: But you guys are. She died because she was pretty. You guys may produce the most hours of television on TV, but you are one of the toughest nuts to crack. <laughs> I know. Like every time I ever call you guys – because you guys are like, look, you don't need to give us a whole spiel because you guys have literally seen every way into these shows. Mm-hmm. You guys say, just give us a good title and we could probably come up with a show that fits that <laughs> great title. How close is it to that at this point? Because you guys have seen every pitch come through. It's really hard to give you guys a take you haven't heard a million times.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not as simple as give us the title, but it right. is like a log line and then we'll back and forth. And, and the team really develops from the ground up with the producer because it is right. true. Like you, you don't don't go work up six different 10-page pitches, right. you know, because we have seen a lot, but but, give us 10 log lines and I bet we'll find something we can work on together. Um, but find out about Too Pretty
0: to Live because gonna, that's not a series. We're going to look that up. I Stabbed Him in the Balls. <laughs> not a series. Not a series. That's a good one. Good job. Uh, <laughs> wives with Knives.
1: That is real.
0: Karma's a Bitch. That's real. That was real. Yeah. That was with that guy from The Sopranos. Yes,
1: yes, with Steve Sharippa.
0: <laughs> Passion, Poison, and poontang. <laughs>
1: Good one, but no.
0: Okay, I'm glad you laughed. Fatal Vows.
1: Real. That's a good one.
0: Fatal Encounters.
1: Another good one.
0: Fatal Fellatio.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not real. Jimmy. Uh, Jay, thanks for joining on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks.